Welcome everybody to Martinis with Scott, a show about winning momentum in business and in life. You know, I've been waiting to do this show, this particular topic, really since I started Martinis with Scott about a year ago. It's going to be, this conversation is a primer on U.S. restructuring. Um, and who better to do that with than HMB Legal Counsel, uh, Horwood, Marcus, and Burke Chartered. Uh, check out hmblaw.com, hmblaw.com. There'll be a link in the uh, description to the show. And what better, so what better law firm to talk about uh, this topic than HMB? And what better time than right now uh, we'll be coming out of this COVID uh, pandemic. This is not a COVID show, but it's good timing because I think that every, certainly every medium and small business and a lot of large businesses all over the globe are and particularly in the US or uh, including the US, these businesses are coming out of this crisis. They have liquidity issues, they've got lender problems, they've got landlord uh, problems, and they don't have the tool set, tool set to deal with it because going into this, they were not a troubled business. They were a good, a good business that was creamed uh, by this virus and by this crisis. So in this conversation, we're gonna talk about chapter 11, chapter seven, chapter five, out of court restructurings. We discuss it all. And remember, to do any of these restructurings, you need a tool set. We don't discuss that in here, but you need a tool set. You need a, a, a cash flow, a 13-week cash flow or longer. You need a projection model. Uh, we've done shows on this before. You can go look them up and uh, we'll continue to hammer home on the, the, those points on the tool sets that you require for restructuring and to plan. And to have the tool sets to make them work, you need to take a position. You need to think, well, when are we getting out of trouble? How is that gonna look? When, you know, so when are we gonna be normalized? And is it gonna be you know, zero to 100, a light switch? Are we just gonna be cured overnight or is this gonna be a slow growth? Uh, and you need to set your priorities because when you can't have everything you want, you need to set your priorities. I've told you about my three priorities uh, for my businesses on prior shows. I've said my the health and mental the uh, the well-being and mental health uh, of my employees. Number two is that my employees are able to pay their rent and buy food, whether that be through our company or some sort of government program if we need to scale back. But that helps me make a decision on layoffs is looking at those priorities. And my third priority and my last priority is to leapfrog my competition while they are frozen with fear uh, because this is a terrific time to uh, hunker down and move your business forward. All right. Um, Aaron Hammer, who's one of the guests on here, when I asked him what he wanted from this show, he said he wanted to help CEOs uh, that are facing anxiety right now, that they're happy to talk to you in person, someone who's in default with their lenders, breathing down their neck. They're in fault, uh, default with their landlords who are breathing down their neck. We definitely want to talk to that person because we can help. So Rick Ryan um, is one of my, I have two guests today, Rick Ryan and Aaron Hammer. Uh, Rick is a partner uh, and group head of litigation at HMB, which is a Chicago-based uh, law firm. He's a graduate of Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, and University of Miami in uh, Florida School of Law, and a member of the Illinois and Florida Bars. He concentrates his practice on secured creditor workouts and recoveries, bankruptcy trustee and receiver litigation, and multi-jurisdictional litigation and bankruptcy, specifically Chapter 15 proceedings. Chapter 15 would be a a cross-border Canada, uh, sorry, U.S.-Canada um, would be a Chapter 15 proceeding in the recovery of foreign claims and assets in more than 40 jurisdictions. In 2014, Rick was named Asset Recovery Lawyer of the Year by Lawyer Monthly Magazine. 
recently honored in the 26th edition of the Best Lawyers in America for his work in commercial litigation. Rick's also a really good guy. I met him about a year ago, maybe not even that long, maybe six, nine months ago um, in Toronto on a webinar that we were doing together. We went out for dinner the night before and um, he is a smart, uh, focused, uh, good guy who has a lot of practical advice and certainly knows the perspective of the lenders. Aaron Hammer, uh, is a partner, also partner at HMB, uh, and leads the firm's bankruptcy reorganization, reorganization and creditors' rights practice. He devotes his practice to solving his, his clients' most challenging insolvency and creditors' rights issues. Over, over more than 20 years, uh, Aaron has led engagements on behalf of corporate borrowers, lenders, vendors, and financiers, and most notably bankruptcy uh, committees, both official and unofficial, and countless significant bankruptcies and workouts across the country and in many foreign countries. Uh, Aaron has practiced law in the insolvency and restructuring arena for 25 years. His vast experience and thought leadership in both U.S. and cross-border corporate insolvencies is available at his website, bankruptcyjock.com. Aaron recently completed the successful turnaround of Red, the steakhouse in South Beach, Florida, not only as legal counsel, but also as its chief restructuring officer and now as a principal, which means that he bought in. Uh, I'm not going to read you the free stake to anybody who's listening part, but uh, there'll be contacts in the description and you can hit Aaron up and see if he'll feed you. That's always a good thing. Aaron's been a buddy for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, a uh, good friend and a great attorney. Enough out of me. Let's get on with the martinis. Enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Martinis with Scott on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Aaron, Rick, good to see you. Welcome to the show. How are you guys holding up? We're holding up well, Scott. Thanks. Better Cheers, now. everybody. Thank you for having us. My martini in a non-martini glass. So, Aaron, uh, you and I have been threatening for six months to do a show in the kitchen of Red, a steakhouse in Miami that you are an owner of. And I pictured myself with a chef around making me great food. And here we are on Zoom because we're in unusual times. But I'm glad that we can get this together. And I thought it was a good time for a discussion with my favorite U.S. attorneys and workout turnaround restructuring bankruptcy councils. Uh, because what I want to do is a today is a primer for biz, geared towards business owners and managers, just a primer on formal restructurings in the U.S. And then talk about informal workouts and restructurings, which perhaps is backwards, because if you're a business owner, you would do the informal first, see how far you could get and do whatever you could out of court. And then you'd end up in bankruptcy if you were having trouble from there. Um, and then what other, other, whatever other liquidity tips or survival tips um, are relevant at this time now or that you guys may have. We agreed that this is not a COVID show, uh, mostly because I'm sick of COVID shows and webinars and my sense is everybody else is too. But more importantly, the things that we're going to talk about today are timeless. Right, someone from our audience watching this uh, three years from now, the concepts of bankruptcy protection and bankruptcy and informal workouts and liquidity don't change. Do you guys agree with that? Agreed. Yeah. Okay. 
Having said that, so although we're not a COVID show, this is certainly a good time to hammer home the points uh, because we've just got businesses literally all over the world that are facing something they've never faced before. And, you know, if you're a management team that was in trouble beforehand, you understand this a little bit, but if you were a management team just running your business and then life was good and you're hit with this, I mean, you don't have the tool set to go about that, which is why I think a primer uh, is important. So let me start. I don't really want to allocate. Maybe I'll start with you, Rick, but, um, you know, it's supposed to be a discussion. I'm not asking specific questions, but just in general, what are we seeing in the U.S.? Um, that management teams are facing, what industries are being hit, what's the, how bad is the liquidity crisis? Let's just have a general t uh, conversation about that and your thoughts on it. So there are still a lot of sources of money out there, but the business structures and how they've been structured over the last 10 or so years is, is more causing the issues for the businesses internally than uh, in the past. And we're seeing, because of COVID uh, and, and the shutdown of the economy in a lot of places, it's wrecking havoc and it has, it started with China and the global supply chain. And even though that's somewhat back in um, business, there's other Asian countries that it's still affected. So yeah. besides the supply chain, you've got the retail sector, which has been affected, and it really was not COVID. Uh, it all had to do with a um, different way that buyers are buying product, and they're not going to the big boxes. But now, because of COVID, the big boxes, some of those who you thought, at least here in the States, were forever uh, in good graces, such as Neiman's and Nordstrom's, yep. they're all considering bankruptcy. A and you've, you've got the restaurants, you've got the travel industry, which is decimated. You've got hospitality decimated, rest entertainment decimated. I don't know, are we ever going to go back to movie theaters? Or are we just going to watch from home? And, and we have the AMC theaters now offering movies on demand. <laughs> Now, why I would get it from them rather than buy my cable sources, I don't know. Uh, and then you have wow. the, the small businesses, right, that are being affected because of the shutdown and the soon-to-come to commercial real estate. Aaron, anything because, else? That I'm because missing? no one's paying their rents, right? I mean, I, I talked to somebody in uh, Canada at Alvarez, uh, I think it was at Alvarez, and they have a client that has a, a mall and on April 1, 40% of their tenants paid. 40%. I mean, that's just, it's going to wreak havoc throughout that industry. I, I agree. Aaron, anything talk, to add to that? Well, we can talk a little bit about what uh, the insolvency laws are geared to protect in the United States. That might be a good way to sure. sort of frame the discussion and then we can walk it back a little bit. Um, insolvency is a financial condition. It's defined in the bankruptcy code as um, either you're insolvent on a balance sheet basis or you're insolvent on a cash flow basis. And in those instances, you're entitled when you're in financial distress to file a federal bankruptcy petition, uh, institute a formal bankruptcy proceeding under the United States Bankruptcy Code, um, and 
uh, marshal all your creditors um, and contract parties into one forum. Um, there are two types of bankruptcies pretty much under the bankruptcy code for corporations. Um, there are chapter seven, which is liquidation, and there's chapter 11, which is the reorganization chapter. We'll stick talking about reorganization uh, for, the, for the time being, um, but really chapter 11 was designed to give businesses a fresh start uh, from insolvency circumstances, uh, at least on a, on a cash flow basis, something like COVID could, could be anticipated, but the full magnitude can't fully be understood um, until you reopen the economy. And at that point, the question is, who has working capital to restart their business and avoid a bankruptcy right out of the gate? Um, that's going to be a gating threshold issue. Aaron, what size, or, or Rick, either one, what size of business can practically make use of Chapter 11? Good question. Uh, there are, generally it's larger companies, um, but the CARES Act, the federal legislation, provided for an amendment to the new small business bankruptcy section of Chapter 11 that, uh, um, I can't remember the exact the exact section, but um, now a small business with seven and a half million dollars worth of top line total liabilities can seek this baby bankruptcy. And in the baby bankruptcy, the absolute priority rule doesn't apply. So management or equity can retain their assets so long as they otherwise comply with the chapter, um, which basically requires the debtor to pay everyone back in full over three or five years, depending. Um, and presumably, there'll be a lot more businesses now that can stretch out their liabilities, pay them over five years, um, and retain control. So we're anticipating a lot of activity in, in that area. Chapter 11 is still available. You don't have to elect small business treatment, actually. Um, and, and those proceedings just are more cumbersome because a creditor committee is generally appointed. Um, there are all sorts of opportunity for the borrower to do battle on, on countless fronts and bankruptcy lawyers aren't inexpensive. So you're seeing a trend away from uh, chapter 11 proceedings, long drawn out chapter 11 proceedings and in favor of faster vehicles, prepackaged, prearranged bankruptcies or an insolvency proceeding under state laws, which vary by each state, generally a creature of statute, but the through statutes a are- Through a receivership sales? Sparse. Yeah, it's like the BIA, but it differs yeah, in yeah. every one of our 50 states. And there's also so, federal equity receiverships now. So there's state receivers and federal receivers. Okay. And which so- is where the, Which is where the cannabis businesses are gonna end up, because it's against federal law. And a lot of these cannabis businesses, businesses yeah. are having financial problems and they're relegated to receiverships or uh, assignments for the benefit of creditors. And, you know, the, right. the state law uh, proceedings. Let me just mention one other thing, um, Aaron, that you some other critical points of the small business bankruptcies or subchapter yeah. five. There only the debtor can propose a plan and there are no creditor committees. And the purpose of it is to 
usher the debtor through at a much less costly within three to six months. And more That's chapter five, you said? Subchapter five. Subchapter five. Okay. So <clears throat> for the uninitiated, for the business owner, I, am, I don't know why I'm so focused during this crisis on the family business and the restaurant and the, as opposed to the larger businesses. Um, but if, if you have no idea what bankruptcy protection or bankruptcy even means, uh, Rick, the essence of this is you take everybody you owe money to today and you go to the court, you go to the judge and say, I, I can't pay all these people right now or maybe ever. So let's put a stop to everything, uh, to, to paying these people uh, for old stuff that I owe them. We continue to pay new things. So if I'm incurring debt and I, I have services coming in, I pay for that. And then let's work out a plan where I'm still running my business, but we pay these people over time or so many cents on the dollar. We come up with some sort of restructuring plan. Is that not the essence of every workout, regardless of what chapter or jurisdiction or even country you're in? Well, yeah, whether it's in court or out of court. That's exactly. the essence of a workout. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all okay. the same. <clears throat> right. And so the benefits to me of being in court as a business owner and a turnaround fellow, uh, the, business of be the benefit of being in court is it brings all my fights with all these people I can't afford to pay into one venue, right? And so I've, I've consolidated everything so I don't have a million phone calls a day uh, with different negotiations. And, and it forces a court order at the end of the process on everybody within that class. So if I, if I have say a hundred suppliers and I get 98 of them on side informally, I still have to worry about the two are still going to sue me and I have to fight about that. Whereas I go to court and I get over a threshold in a class, then, then I've done my restructuring. Correct. Well, it also at the inception stops everybody from suing you. Yeah. So it, it says, let's pause. Give me some time to work things out. Uh, and, and let's see if we can restructure and go forward. Right. And what it does not do, and I should say, Rick, a lot of your practice is acting for lenders, correct? So you understand right. that side of it. What it does not do is give me as a business owner uh, an opportunity to beat up my bank because they're a secured creditor and their security has not gone away. So I might put a stop to, you know, quote unquote, hostile action on the podcast there. I was given the air quotes uh, that you didn't see, but some sort of hostile action. Um, but at the end of the day, the bank still has its position over the assets and I need to accommodate the bank and have a fair negotiation with them. Eh, I would disagree with that. <laughs> would you? <laughs> I would disagree Unless with that. Unless I have the right lawyers on team. <laughs> no, no, it's not, it's not even that. Um, it's, that's what creditor committees are there for. To the extent that the, the borrower and the lender's relationship is soured or otherwise tainted, bankruptcy is the vehicle where now the lender is subject to the jurisdiction of the bankruptcy court and the lender will be investigated by unsecured creditors or if there is a trustee by a trustee or its counsel and uh, um, perhaps help the debtor with its negotiation with the lender and or ability to make distributions to creditors. Um, right. So yeah, the, 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 the lender, that's why it's, imp 
it, it's going to be helpful for lenders under the small business subchapter five. Um, there's no creditor committees. The estate doesn't need to bear the cost of that. Um, and there's a trustee that's actually appointed by the United States Trustee's Office, uh, a special small business trustees, they're calling them, um, to work with the debtor on the plan of reorganization um, and really be the independent fiduciary. I think it makes a lot of sense, even though it's going to impact some creditor committee business. But the reality is, is the good creditor committee engagements are in larger cases well beyond seven and a half million dollars of liability. Still, sure. if three creditors wanted to get together on a file or company and have a vote, that, that's now gone. At least right. until after <clears throat> runs off. So, so let, Eric, let's talk about, Scott, what's really unusual today in, yes. in terms of how, how creditors, borrowers uh, are, are dealing with each other. Um, and what's really unusual is your counterparty, your stakeholder, is also in trouble and doesn't know what to do. Right. They're, they're both, they both could be in trouble. At the moment, um, you know, different than 2008 and nine, the federal government opened up the spigot and capital is available. So you don't have the bank business failures like you did yep. right back in 2008 or nine. But what has happened here is... Um, the businesses are realizing or have realized that cash is king and they need to create liquidity. So from the outset, a number of them drew down on their lines of credit. And in the interim, the uh, federal government has told the lenders, stop, um, pause, we want you to Give your borrowers 90 days forbearance to give them some breathing room and, and try to work things out. So most of these banks are forbearing, extending, amending, um, pushing the problems down the road, perhaps where the businesses can solve them themselves or there's money that can be made available. Uh, and then, of course, there's increased uh, efforts to aid the borrowers currently under the you know, various federal government programs, including uh, the SBA, uh, to help the, the borrowers have some liquidity. And, and that is what is so unusual from 12 years ago. Or any time, yeah. any time outside of this crisis, right? True. Is, is it not true that the bank doesn't want to lose the asset? And, you know, if everything's sort of normal by September, it would have been a big mistake for the bank to take a good borrower and drive them out or do something unreasonable um, and then not have that asset in September. I mean, that's, that's a large part of this. And, and the other large part of it, I think, is you know, just the reputational risk of being predatory or perceived to be predatory during a, during a war, in a sense. Right. Yeah. Right. They're, they're trying to be cooperative and work with, with, with the businesses. Even those so, businesses that were having problems before this had nothing to do with the, with the COVID crisis. Right. So how are they, how are they working with businesses? So um, I'm assuming 
almost every bank you're dealing you, you, that you know of that the the borrower can get a holiday on principal payments for a short period of time. Yeah, to say? whether it's principal, it could be interest too. It's an amendment. And then I was going to say interest as well, but not all the time because interest is always more problematic for financial institution because they have their own cost of funds. And they do, you know, but that's a harder, it's a harder pitch, but it's not, a, you, you got to ask, right? So they're helping with principal. They're helping with interest. What else are they doing? They're taking more collateral if possible. Um, whether it's in the form of property, cash, more guarantors, yep. um, whatever is, 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 is available from the, from the borrower's perspective. They're, they're so they're looking the for ways. Home. They're looking for ways to advance more funds. Could be to help to help the borrower through. Right, or they're advancing under the current structure. They're just reducing the financial restrictions so that they can borrow. The, the okay. big issue. The big issue is going to have to uh, is coming where there has to be a reconciliation of inventory values inventory yeah. equipment so there there's the first wave is going to be a wave of appraisals trying to you know figure out what's this worth i mean the whole concept of a borrowing base is thrown out the window i mean receivables are easier than inventory yes but yeah. i mean collectability is going to be an issue i mean we're advising our clients don't spend any money don't pay anyone to the extent you don't absolutely have to um salaried employees if that's what you want to do, um, and healthcare for everyone. That's sort of been the, um, you know, policy line from the beginning, at least from our firm. Right. So, <clears throat> on that point, and Rick, going back to the banks, um, my experience, what I'm telling people is, in any workout, not just in COVID, but in any workout, you don't go to the bank and ask questions. You go to the bank with a well thought out proposal that they can ideally say yes, or yes, if you did this too, right? Or, or just flat out no, if they're not in a position to do it. But you don't want to say, oh my God, I'm in trouble. Help me out with something. That's not a good presentation to the bank. And what are you guys seeing? And Aaron, you're, you're an entrepreneur. You, you run businesses as well as your legal practice. Um, what are you guys seeing in terms of how, how do you craft a workout plan with this incredible amount of uncertainty? Oh God, um, that's, uh, that's a great question because I've been blessed to be quarantined here with my family in Miami Beach, two blocks away from my restaurant. And um, it's been there 11 years and we have 50 employees and about 40 of those employees are hourly. Um, we kept the restaurant open for as long as we could. Um, and yeah. then once the city mandates that it close, then what are you going to do? So we furloughed our hourly employees. Um, we kept our um, salaried employees. And then we tried to grab as much revenue as we could. Um, and that involved transitioning to takeout and delivery, which is sort of hard for a fine dining restaurant where your average check is like 120 bucks a person. Um, but we, we cut the price on the wine list for delivery and takeout. We put together a family meal that's a great value. Um, and we've been getting a lot of takeout and delivery calls um, from loyal customers and just people that need to get fed. Um, to facilitate all this, we built an online delivery system 
um, portal where you can place your order and you can get your food uh, delivered you. to you free, free of charge. And we opened a butcher shop as part of that. So um, restaurants, a steakhouse, um, you can get uh, uncooked, the same meat that we serve at the restaurant will come directly to your house. Um, right awesome. now, delivery for that's local, um, but we're talking to our, uh, our beef supplier about going national with that. Um, that's been, you know, in, in a focus of revenue, but first and foremost was we tried to grab as much money as we could right out of the, out of the gate. Right. So that, Aaron, uh, the, 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 the online and the butcher shop idea, are those going to be business models that you maintain after the crisis is over? Absolutely. I mean, the, the mail right. order business could be bigger than the, the retail business. Exactly. So what I've, what aren't I've you looking done to open up a, a new place down the street? We are burgers and beer. <laughs> so we're trying, we're trying to do everything. Right we're up, trying to right take advantage alley. of the opportunity, right up my alley, trying to take advantage <laughs> of the opportunity. We've got a friendly landlord. Um, we grabbed as much federal and state money as we could um, relationships with your banker um, and or, you know, representative are very helpful in those processes. Um, and uh, um, we're going to open up as soon as we can and, and do it safely. Right. So what I do in my businesses and what I've advised people is, you know, you need to, if you can't have everything you want and there's a scarcity of revenue of business of financing, you need to have priorities. And, and, and I have three priorities. And one is the health and mental well-being of my employees. And two is that my employees can eat and pay rent. And, and three, um, is that I leapfrog my competition by working my ass off and doing exactly what you just said, which is create different revenue models that maybe I never thought about three months ago because I wasn't forced to think about it. But coming out of this thing, I'm going to be stronger and better than my competition who are frozen with uncertainty. And my, I my that's good, exactly what yeah. you just said. Here, here's an extreme example. My good friend um, who's in my IPO chapter, Amish Shaw, he runs Chemcrest, which is in Elkhart, Indiana, about an 800 million top line uh, company. And um, primarily tier one automotive, they supply um, fluids and specialty parts to dealers. And uh, in the matter of about two weeks, Amish converted one of his blending factories into um, a sanitization um, plant manuf manufacturer. So they're making um, hand, you know, hand wash and yeah. antibacterial. Um, and he has $200 million worth of orders o overnight, maybe, maybe three months, three weeks into this $200 million worth of orders. That's incredible. Kohl's wants his stuff. So when they reopen nationally, that it, it'll have been, you know, they'll have scrubbed with it. So there, there, there's also situations where companies, especially construction, where they've been doing really well to begin with, and now they're still working because they're essential. They got everyone on the line, um, and they're sitting on PPP money now too. Could be three, four, five million dollars for a thirty, forty million dollar top line company. That's real right. money, and they, they don't, they don't need it, but they took it um, after ethical consideration that. 
Everyone else is doing it. We're going to pay for it. So we might as well get some benefit out of it. And, you know, that's the way it's going to be. Rick, uh, let's go through an example. So let's say one of my companies comes to you. They're, they're U.S. They're $25 million in revenue. Maybe they've got a 10, 12 million ABL. They're running at 40% of what they used to run at uh, pre-crisis. And so this is not, this is hypothetical. It's not really one of my companies, but let's just say you're two months behind in rent. Uh, you know, you haven't paid your suppliers much of anything since uh, mid-March. Um, you haven't done your statutory remittances for a month or two. And, uh, and you're maxed out on the bank and you're, you don't really have a plan. What are, what are you advising that client? And what are the bankruptcy options specifically for them? So, I mean, what that client needs to consider, as Aaron stated before, um, you've got to look at collateral values. Because if, if it's an ABL loan, you're loaning against collateral. Right. And, and maybe the new normal is in order to create some value, you're going to have to look at what collateral is available and how do you value it. Um, maybe there's, you're lending on receivables and equipment. Maybe there's a piece of property you can offer up to free up some, some uh, value under the ABL line. Um, that's one thing. Number yep. two is... So try to find some uh, more cash through your lenders if you have the collateral. Can't, can't, liquidity is king, and the more liquidity, the better off you are. Certainly, in dealing with your lender, uh, you're there. You may also want your reporting requirements, your financial covenants, <coughs> excuse me, to be uh, loosened, so that you can grow your business, continue in business, and hopefully. Um, continue on into the future. The, the bank is not looking to put you out of business. The banks right. are looking to what they can do to enable the businesses to survive. And it's only as a last resort that they have to get to some type of liquidation analysis. So if you have the trust and support of your lender, that, that, that is key. And if they think you want to work with them, they're going to work with you. Right. But what about and beyond the bank? So yeah. in, in these times. Yeah. And the so same thing is the true bank? with the landlord, okay? If you're renting or you're, you're, you're in an office building, the landlords are going to work with you because they need your revenue too. They need, they've got a tenant, they need a tenant two months from now, three months. And you from may now, want, right? you know, we may be in a new normal where, where the, your space needs are different. And your employees, more of them can work remotely or more of them can hotel the space so you can reduce your, yep. the cost of your rental space and, and your needs change. And I think that's actually what is going to happen. Uh, and um, because more of us are saying, yeah, we can work remotely. And that reduces- Yeah, the, how's know, it the, been so bad for productivity? Right, exactly. Um, and, and as Aaron says, you, you need to think about repurposing your business. How, and whether it's lawyers and consultants too, how can we 
repurpose what we do um, because of the new normal. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. it's an easy pivot and not a total, you know, total pivot because that that's tough. Right. So what if uh, none of that works because whatever, the counterparty is unreasonable or the debtor, the company, the business itself does not have a strong plan, but they don't recognize that. What formal options that that potential prospective client that I just, hypothetical client that I just outlined, what are they doing? Are they doing a chapter 11 and getting some help that way? If there's something to reorganize, if they can afford it. Um, right. If the so what end do they result need? is they can remain in business. Right. So th that's kind of where I was heading with that line of discussion because my biggest advice to everybody in Scott's rule number one in turnarounds is don't run out of cash halfway through, right? You, you need a war chest and you ought to be planning in this crisis and at all times, if you're in a, if you're in a dip, if you're in turnaround mode, you need to be planning to come out the other end of this with a war chest of cash because if you, if you come out earlier than you thought, if the crisis is over earlier than you thought, then you could use that money to pay back those suppliers you didn't pay, to cut a deal with your landlord that you hadn't paid, right? Um, but if it goes on longer than you thought and you can't pay these people back, well, you have a war chest to go to somebody like you with and facilitate a restructuring because it costs money to facilitate a restructuring, in my view. It's very expensive. And, and so, time consuming and costly and takes you out of the business that you're in right now. You, you're yeah. in the restructuring business. You're not selling widgets. Yeah. So is it even, is it possible for you guys to put a, just a bracket around the cost of a, as I said, a 25 million, I'm just making up numbers, 25 million revenue company with say a 15 million ABL and a normal amount of unsecured and a landlord issue. I mean, what, what's the price tag on that sort of restructuring, formal restructuring? I mean, clients um, must ask you that right off the bat, right? That must a be a, chap how a, long chapter, is, a chapter, chapter 11. 11, 11. That, how how long is it going to take? How much is it going to cost? Probably a sale. Yeah, probably a sale though. And, and it would have to be a special case for it to be a reorganization. Otherwise, it's too it's, small. It's, too, too small for, for the real investment in chapter 11. But, yeah. uh, you know, you can do it out of court. Honestly, you can, you can negotiate with your vendors. You can negotiate with your bank. There's certain things that you can't get unless you go into formal bankruptcy protection. You can't get a stay, can't get an injunction. You can't get releases. Um, but you can keep the business going without saddling it with a tremendous, burden of, of a federal bankruptcy proceeding. And you're seeing more and more of that. Um, you know, people just coming to Are Jesus. You? Yeah. People coming to Jesus. I think that everyone knows what's up right now. Yeah. I mean, really there, there, there's a halt. There's going to be some people that take advantage. Um, and some people are disadvantaged sort of during the collar period. But if we just stop spending money and paying our bills, we could shelter in place without money. Exactly. For, for a while until we run out of food and then, then some degree of rationing would have to occur. But, um, <laughs> right. So it, it's just an incredible time in, in, in the modern economy to, to watch how, you know, what happens to commodity prices, what's going on with interest rates. What's, how does the view of our national debt, the federal national,
that change um, in light of what's going on. I mean, they're just printing money. And it's a lot. I mean, we thought we were, we, we thought we couldn't fund social security for the baby boomers like 12, 15 years ago. That was what Al Gore ran on. And now we're, we're, you know, putting 30, 40% more debt on the economy. Um, there's no choice. I mean, personally, I think that what's going to happen out of this in, in 15, 20 years, you're, you're going to see probably a bunch of states you know, having filed bankruptcy, and that's not going to be enough. And the federal government's going to have to devalue its currency. And then the whole globe's going to take a haircut and how China feels about that. Um, after sort of setting these wheels in motion, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, to, you know, 9-11 was precipitated by a, a massive reduction in interest rates, which led to the housing boom and ultimate housing crisis. Um, and this is a unique set of circumstances, different from that. Um, but I've personally been impressed with how the- But the, but the liquidity credit uh, resulting in a bubble will be the same, 100%. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So let's talk about, since we got there, let's talk about informal restructurings and workouts without going to court. So, I mean, I've been doing these workouts and working with troubled companies for 30 odd years now, I'm sad to say. And five times in my life, have I ever made use of, uh, of a formal bankruptcy proceeding to help me do a restructuring. I've been involved in a million bankruptcy proceedings because companies hired me after they already filed bankruptcy and they were about to, you know, and then they bring me in to, to help turn around the business in that, in that umbrella. But for myself, it's not a tool that I need very often. Why? Because I'm really good at out-of-court workouts, informal restructurings. But nobody, but I don't want to say nobody else is, but business owners, management teams, they don't even believe that can be done. They don't really understand that process. So have you guys been involved in that? Can you talk about you know, how you go about it? I'll, I'll, I'll throw in how I do it after if you want, but uh, what have you guys seen? So let me just say that I think out of court workouts have been more prevalent post the last recession than certainly bankruptcy is, is a tool of last resort, very expensive yeah. and difficult to reorganize. If you want to liquidate, that, that's available to you. And you want but, no headache, you want to liquidate, you want no headache, file bankruptcy. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if you want to, if you want to reorganize, um, you try to do it outside the, of court. And, and there's certain ways of, you know, getting everybody's cooperation. If, if you got the sticklers, you end up having to do what you got to do, or you sell your assets and you liquidate because you ha you're given no choice. What is going to be different is this subchapter five bankrupt, small business bankruptcy for companies with seven and a half million revenues and less. That does give you a tool in your tool chest to reorganize at a fast and cheaper way. And you say, you know, I don't wanna screw around with all these creditors, whether it's secured or unsecured, let me get to a restructure as fast as I can. And that 
that is a real option. As in, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but I think that's a real option. And that can be a tool that the business uses against, so the creditor is saying, look, if, unless we work things out, that's the route I'm going. So work it out now. Right. And it's going to be worse for you. Yeah, sometimes, there's history, sometimes there's history there and it just becomes impossible mm -hmm. and, and management has to file because, you know, they're just fed up and their backs are against the wall. So I, I think it's really important you guys could jump in on this in an informal restructuring. So this is where you're saying to yourself, okay, I'm in trouble. I don't want to file bankruptcy, but I can't pay these creditors a hundred cents of a dollar on time. Right. Because you're really dealing with, with two variables here. You're dealing with the amount that you owe to that specific creditor and as a whole, and you're dealing with the time. Like maybe you could pay a hundred cents, but you get on the dollar, but you could do it over a year instead of 60 days something along those lines. Depends on your specific situation. But you really need to understand your stakeholders and where they rank in what I say the pecking order, but you would say the priority of order uh, over the assets, you know, your, your statutory, your government issues, uh, followed by your secured creditors um, in, in their various rankings, depending on what their liens are, um, and then your unsecured creditors, right? And you need to, you can't do an informal restructuring unless you understand that. Do you agree with that? Yes. So, so they should get legal advice. Yes. Not necessarily to do the restructuring, but to understand what would happen if I went to bankruptcy, who gets what at the end of the day? Because if your informal plan doesn't sort of replicate what would happen in court, more or less, it's not going to work. That's my experience. That's true. So I'm sure Aaron will echo me. If some company comes in to talk to me about their financial problems, you try to get your arms around their assets and liabilities and what has caused them the financial distress. Um, so usually it's one or two particular reasons. You know, they, they, they expanded too fast. They went into product lines that have failed. Customer concentration. You, right. And what do you need to do to get back to a business that was thriving when you, you know, years ago. And what will it take? How do you get there? And you sit down and try to come up with a plan. And then you go to your creditors and say, this is our plan. This is what we need. Um, maybe we need financing. We need time. Um, we need to shed employees, whatever it is. And if you come forward with a plan, and there's some semblance of responsibility, people will listen, right. you know, because what's the end result? You, you're not going to get a well, hundred cents on your dollar if you're owed money. I'll say till I'm blue in the face to anybody that wants to listen to me that informal workouts are math. <laughs> They're not a negotiation. They're just math. Here's what the assets are worth. Here's where you rank in the pecking order of getting hold of those assets. This is the cash flow. That's what I can afford to pay you. Right. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of negotiation in there. There's a lot of persuasion. They need to believe your numbers are real, that you're, you know, where you're going is real, but where you get in trouble, where, where every business owner I see try to do this on their own gets in trouble is they say, Oh my goodness, my, my Chinese supplier, I can't pay them 20 cents on the dollar. 
they need to get a hundred cents or they need to get 80 cents. So where's that going to come from? It's going to come out of my, my bank. They need to take more of a haircut or they need to advance more to support this, this unsecured payment. Like you must, you must see that all the time as an initial thinking of a business owner. Well, well it does. And as Aaron can add, it does take creative thinking as to how to get yourself out of your problems. Yes. And that's what we bring to the table. It, it's the creativity. Everybody can punch numbers and, and people can say, yeah, you know, go, go sell that piece of property. Um, but will that really solve the problem? Um, yeah. I, I, Aaron, I'm sure, I know you have examples yeah. of, of creative approaches. Well, that's, that's where you really add value as a professional. And, you know, you and I and all, all three of us have been doing this for a while, for better or worse. And we've seen a lot. Um, this is probably my third or fourth cycle. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like I finally understand some things. There's a lot I don't know. But um, I'm, uh, I'm happy that I'm going to be able to try and provide the most value that I can in in the yeah. situation and we've got a lot of tools and experience we we have a lot of financial resources we have a lot of um advisory resources to bring a lot of friends with the local courts and judges and and it's really a career's worth of work that you put together and and then now we're asked okay fix this problem um and as our mutual friend david Cohn um will say is uh you know, creative solutions. That's what we're known for. Um, and, you know, the more complicated the situation for us, the better. Um, those are the challenging moments. That's where we get re-engaged and really challenged. Um, we can hit singles all day long, but solving really complicated problems and, and, and saving jobs um, and making people's lives a little bit easier. I think we're in that position right now to, to make an impact. It's hard for me to respond to that. That was great. Thank you. Um, you've talked a few times about, uh, well, maybe that transaction is just a sale, uh, not a workout. What, what does that mean? Let's, let's walk business owners through that. So in, in many jurisdictions in the world, um, as a business owner, the, the secured creditor could grab your assets, sell it through in Canada, for example, if you sold through a receivership. But as a business owner, you could actually bid on those, those assets in a fair process. Uh, sometimes they're prepackaged, which means that you prearrange, you know what you're trying to do. And it doesn't mean that somebody might not come out of the blue and outbid you on that. But, you know, there's a, there's a thought process behind this so that the business owner has a way to go through a sale process. That happens in the U.S. Can you talk about that a little bit? Insiders bidding for their own businesses, Rick. Yeah, yeah. So if you're a biz, if you're sure. a business owner, if you're that hypothetical client I described, and a workout's just too much, what other options do you have? So um, there, you can do it out of court. Um, so the, the lender could sell it at what's called a UCC sale, and any third party can bid. They have to including take possession the of the, including the owner. You can appoint a, an assignee, like a receiver, to take possession of the assets, and the assignee sells it at auction. And as the owner, you can buy the assets. You're going to have to compete. Or you can do, go through a bankruptcy process 
which is what Aaron was talking about. Chapter called, seven. Uh, well, it could be an 11. It can be yeah, a liquidating yeah. 11. could be a seven. Yep. Um, called a, you know, a 363 sale, which sells the assets free and clear. The, the, the purpose is selling the assets free and clear because nobody's going to buy them. Exactly. With, with a vesting with order from the them. court. Right. And, so, and which one of those allows me to put in a stocking horse bid sort of up front? That would be in the bankruptcy court setting. In an 11, liquidating 11. Or a seven. Yeah, or a seven. Or a seven. Mm -hmm. Or a seven. Okay. So the point General, being. Gen, gen, generally, it, it's advised against leading with an insider um, stalking horse bid. Right? I mean, if you're there, then you really don't have to file the bankruptcy because what, what the bank is going to willing to spend all this money and risk the core asset in a bankruptcy um, right. for that's, you know, that, but some that's a marginal upside. Yeah, that's yeah. an M and A strategic decision. It depends on value. Or close and resell. It, it depends on who the insiders are, right? If you're if if the stocking horse is from a management team that's yeah. needed in the business, like it's just a strategy, sure. right? Type decision. Mm -hmm. um, the, the prices all right. in all situations, Scott, have to be fair and reasonable. Hundred percent, right? because they're all in every situation. They're competitive. Right, so right. someone could just come and somebody like me could come along and just outbid you if you're not being reasonable. Or the opportunity well, you, for competition. Yeah. Right, and you have to avoid if it's the insider and look that it's a, a fraudulent transfer. For sure. What are the liquidity tips and uh, uh, advice do we have during this crisis? And I, I just remind you, every small business, medium-sized business in the world has been forced into looking at their cash flows. Uh, you know, it boils down to operations. Should I even be open right now? Mm -hmm. um, uh, liquidity, cash flow, and managing my creditors, right? Those are the three things. Uh, what are the tips do you guys have or things that you're seeing that we haven't talked about yet? We've gone over formal insolvency proceedings. We've gone over informal uh, workouts and sales process. What else? What else have we missed? The mental health of business owners. Oh my God, that's a, such a huge thing. Absolutely, it's easy. It's easy for us to say you're going to get through this. You only have you know stage one cancer. It's different when your ass is on the line on personal guarantees. You pledged your personal assets. Your life's work is caught up um, in the business. Your family's involved. Your employees are your family. Um, yeah. you know, Personal guarantees. Just, you know, God has a plan. I'm not religious, but I always say, say that. Um, and you know, you got to have a little hope. There's a lot of good that's going to come from this. Um, it's up to us to find it. Um, and then to figure out where we go next. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I've just been telling everybody, particularly in our community, I mean, we, I've been doing this 30 years. You guys are Know, around the same or younger, but the we're used to dealing in this stress environment, and and business owners are not; they're just not. Uh, you know, some of them are very unique, have the tool set, and are used to this sort of high level of hyper stress and being out of cash. But the majority are not; they've never seen it before, and they don't have the tool set, and they're paralyzed. They're paralyzed with fear, 
that's exactly well, right. That's right, because they're good at what they do, which is running whatever business they're running. Yeah. And in a stressful situation, facing the great unknown, it, it, they're just very uncomfortable. And what we're there is try to give them some balance and support and, and, and comfort that things can be worked out if, you know, sometimes no, but, but at, at this yeah. point in time, you've got to go in with the attitude that it can. Yeah. And so the, the biggest thing for, for a business owner is they can't shoulder this alone. That's the mental health thing, right? So you can't, the mental health and the hunkering, not being able to survive issue, as Aaron said, if we didn't pay anybody, we could, we could self-isolate for quite a while and be fine, right? It's the moral ambiguity. It's the moral angst of, I, I bought something from this supplier. The terms are up. I need to pay them, right? But I can't pay them. That's what creates the stress. And if I pay them, I'm not going to survive. So it's the greater good versus the survival um, uh, uh, competition in a sense that that creates that stress and the biggest thing that you could do is recognize that we're all in this together including the supplier that you owe money to and everybody needs to pitch in for everybody and the biggest thing you can do as an advisor is to take that load as much as possible off the business owner so that they can go back as you said earlier Rick they can go back to doing what they do best because the more time they spend thinking of things that Aaron said, like creating a butcher, uh, butcher shop offering, creating a, an online delivery, the more time a business owner spends doing that sort of stuff and the less time they spend worrying about, you know, paying that supplier or dealing with the bank, uh, the better off we're all going to be as a society. There's my two cents on that one. I'd love to do this again with you, Scott, in like three months. You know, I, I think the world I want, will be I want starting a, up again. I want a bottle of wine and cream corn and uh, a rare steak. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, deli hopefully, I'll deliver ho that. Hopefully yeah, yeah. we can sit in, in red and, and, and uh, socialize rather than being uh, exactly. together through Zoom. Uh, um, is, is, that, is that a promise that you'll come to the beach, Rick Ryan? Sure. Yes. I like it. Good call. I, I can't Good miss call. that. Yeah. Um, Rick, Aaron, uh, how do people reach you? Why should they reach you? Um, I'm going to do, there's introductions at the beginning of this, so you don't have to talk about your CV and that sort of stuff, but specifically, um, you guys are a terrific resource, both of you. Um, someone wants to reach out, they hear this video tomorrow. Well, it releases next week, but they, they hear it next week or they hear it two years from now. Um, give some details, please. HMBlaw.com. Aaron Hammer and Rick Ryan. Our mobile numbers are probably in our V cards. You can call us anytime. And what kind we of are things should they call 24, you? 24 7. We pride what kind ourselves of in responding. Oh, you know, to help with a CEO that has anxiety right now, we're happy to talk to that person. Someone who's in default and their lender's breathing down their neck, their landlord's breathing down their neck. We definitely want to talk to that person because we can help. Um, someone that's concerned about their ability to realize on their collateral. Let's start talking now and coming up with a plan for, you know, when we open, how are we going to, you know, what are we going to do? What are the steps? What do we have to do now 
to line it up. Um, conversations are good. I, I feel like I'm having some of the best conversations I've had in my career over these silly video chats. Yeah, and uh, exactly. um, I'm I'm enjoying it. And besides the business owners, you know, we're talking with and helping the 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 creditors, whether they're secured, they're unsecured. Um, what can they do? What are their options? How can they work out their problems? Because, you know, if they're not paid, that causes problems on their end in dealing with their secured parties or their creditors. So it's a snowball effect. And how can you stop the, the ball from running downhill? The and, business and owners don't recognize that the banks have no idea what to do either. And they're just as fearful. Banks, landlords, anybody who's a creditor—it's—it's it's hard. It, you know, if you're yeah. a manufacturer and you're you're selling to suppliers and and the suppliers are in default. You know, I, I got one in today that um, you know all these health clubs are have stopped doing business. Right? They've been closed since the middle of March. What do you do as the creditor, whether you're a landlord or the bank? Are they going to be back in business? In what form? How can you help them? Um, and as Aaron said, the answers three months from now are going to be interesting. Sure it's are. almost like it's almost like we're in a Christopher Nolan movie. I've been watching the Batman movies that have been on lately, and um, you know, to 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 imagine the circumstances and how they play out um, is is just an incredible thing, and and we're going to see it but I think we're prepared. Give me the website again, please. HMBlaw.com. HMBlaw.com. Thank you, you guys. Uh, and, and for the audience out there, these guys are not just friends of mine. Uh, they're not just someone who joined the show. Uh, they're actually my attorneys in the US uh, most of the time. And so I uh, couldn't recommend them more. They're good dudes, uh, super helpful. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Martinez with Scott, a show about winning momentum in business and life. Please subscribe. We're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Jets. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Scott, and cheers.